We're here for the Sports Talk with Game Day Sports Network. Our first show ever with, with the Sports Talk on the Game Day Sports Network. We're here with uh, Josh Burns. Uh, guys, just give me one second. Introducing you first, fighting out of the red corner. Tonight, he wears black. His official weight, 264.2 pounds. His bare knuckle record stands at six victories opposite two defeats with two no contests. Fighting out of Detroit, Michigan, here is Josh the Hammer Burns. Sorry about that, little technical difficulties after introducing you. Uh, Tony, uh, we'll, we'll turn it over to you and uh, we'll let you uh, take, take control of the show. Welcome, everybody. We're honored to be joined by Josh the Hammer Burns here on Game Day Sports Network. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you. Good. Thanks so much for doing this, man. Uh, you're from Detroit. Uh, you know, we're, we're a straight shot up I-75. Detroit's my favorite city, man. I love it. Whereabouts, you, whereabouts do you live in Detroit? What area? I live, uh, well, I used to live downtown Detroit. We just yeah. recently moved uh, a little bit uh, south to New Boston. Okay. So right by the airport. Oh, that's great. Good for you. Yeah. Uh, Jay, go ahead. You want to get into it? Yeah, Josh, some reason that the computer's frozen, but again, we still have you and I'll fix that. Uh, when it comes to, uh, you say, boxing, MMA, and now a lot of people have pushbacks on those sports, now bare knuckle fighting. What do you say to people when it comes to what you're doing and how you got into that? I just think it's probably one of the more purest sports that are out there right now and uh, got into it because anybody that's ever watched me fight knows I just like to throw hands and I prefer people to stand. And uh, this sport forces you to do that where MMA, you know, uh, got thrown in there with some of the best in the world and no one wanted to throw hands. So uh, <laughs> I like I like fighting this sport and get in there with some of the best in the world and they have to stand and bang. And and the and the biggest thing is is and like I was going back looking at a little bit of history. The first bear say is really a new sport when five hundred years, right? Correct. So Go ahead, Tony. You, yeah, so Josh, um, for those of you that don't know, right, bare knuckle sports, uh, BKFC, it's it's been around for a little bit, but it, uh, you know, it's the it's the fastest growing sports in terms of pay-per-view sales in the u.s currently you know how did you get involved with bkfc you know you have a pretty extensive path um, you know fighting in bellator king of cage doing a lot of mma stuff how did you get involved with bkfc originally actually uh dave and i knew each other for quite a while for probably almost seven years now and uh when he was first trying to get it going and ran into a bunch of roadblocks, uh, I was going to fight for him then and, you know, ran into a lot of problems and people trying to shut it down. So what I did is instead of staying, not staying idle, I went ahead and jumped over, jumped the pond and went and uh, got some experience in bare knuckle fighting over in Europe and uh, thought some of the best they had over there. That's where it originated. And, uh, you know, a lot of tough guys, a lot of travelers, a lot of, a lot of proper fighters and, uh, Definitely got my my feet wet, and you know fell in love with the sport. Now you obviously got your feet wet in you know in Bellator, and and uh, you know I would argue you didn't get a fair shake at, at Bellator at all, to be honest. But that's just my opinion. Um, but you know that definitely gave you some exposure, uh, allowed you to get 
your name out there and become a little bit more. Uh, any regrets with your time at Bellator? Do you uh, do you wish it went a little differently, or were you okay with uh, with the career path you've chosen now? Well, you know what, uh, I, I try not to regret anything. So, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I, I was able, I was blessed and able to fight for Bellator. You know, I, I ended up being the guy that they always called, you know, within like two or three week notices, and I never got the cupcakes. And there's a lot of fighters that, uh, you know, fought for them that, that got relatively unknown fighters, and they did well. So, you know, I chose my path, and I it was what it was. You know, I could have said no, but I'm just not that guy. So, you know, when they call me to fight, hey, I'm going to fight. Now you mentioned David. Uh, you know he's the he's the owner of BKFC. I give him a lot of credit because he really kind of stepped out and of the comfort zone and tried to. And he's and he's putting. It seems like he's putting a ton of money into this. The productions are unbelievable. You guys are getting you know some outstanding fighters. Uh, just talk about how you've seen BKFC develop so far and progress through your time there so far. Well, it's it's definitely progressed. You know, uh, but you know. Dave always wanted to do it right. He wanted to do it right from day one. And he's always had a great production. He's always, you know, strived to have the best combat sports, uh, you know, production as possible. And and now, as we've progressed along, it's just become better and better. And the last one was Knucklemania. And, mm -hmm. I mean, there there's no there's no live fight. Any sports, uh, you know, what I say, platform that's any better. Like, he put on a show the same as UFC would, the same as Bellator. It, it was a beautiful thing. And and it's it's really exploding and getting a lot of traction here in the States. And I expect it to keep rising. Yeah, I was really by the production value. You're 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 right. You know, it was it was unbelievable to see. So I understand that I've watched it, I've seen it. Um if you know a lot of people probably wonder the difference between BKFC and bare knuckle fighting over MMA. Can you just take a couple seconds and explain the difference between the two and and uh, just how that works? Well, obviously, uh, MMA, you obviously have multiple facets to attack with. Uh, with BKFC, it is strictly hands only. Uh, we are allowed to dirty box, they actually promote dirty boxing. So they promote you to, you know, to grab and, and dirty box which is a beautiful thing. Uh, you also wear gloves in MMA. I believe they're four ounce gloves. And they, it's, you know, you get a lot of these MMA players that come in here and they go, oh, there's not much difference because, uh, you know, an MMA gloves are small. And I'm gonna tell you right now, anybody that sits there and tries to tell you that there, there is no difference, uh, they're out their mind. <laughs> or they're they're yeah. putting on some kind of show. Uh, at the end of the day, getting hit with a bare fist is completely different. You, you feel every shot, you know, you're in there with a the fight and, uh, it, to me, it's a beautiful thing. So I love it. And it, it does a lot of checking of the heart. There, there's things that you're born with naturally. And there's a lot of fighters that are great boxers, great MMA fighters, but they have no heart. And you, you run into, they run into, you know, obstacles and you see them pretty much quit. And in this sport, you're going to find out if someone has heart or not. And I, you know, you can watch the BKFC and it, you, you know that most people say, you know, when you're you're drunk, you got the beer goggles on, and it's the truth serum, you know, and uh, it's the same thing here. This is kind of like the truth serum of combat sports. You're gonna end up finding out who has that true heart and who does not, because you're gonna find maybe the fighters like myself, you know, that didn't do fair, didn't fare as well in, you know, Bellator, you know, held my own, but but didn't get to the top, but I had heart. And that's why they called me, I mean, what, eight times, called me back on the main card every fight. And, you know, I had heart. And I, I could take I could take an ass whooping, simply, <laughs> simply put. 
So in, in this sport, you allow me to utilize my strongest strength that I have, which is my hands. And now it's hard. So I'll punch you in the mouth. You punch me in the mouth. I'm not going to quit. You know, I will not stop. And, you know, it, a lot of guys go, oh, until I'm dead. But I'll be honest with you, I'm probably one of those guys that's not going to stop until, you know, unless I killed over. It's just, it's just, and it's not even a pride thing. It's not like, oh, I'm Scottish and Irish and that's how I am. No, I man, it's just who I am. You know, yeah. you hit me with a bat, I'm just going to keep coming forward in, in, until I can't. So it's no secret that your career so far in BKFC has been um, surrounded by people. I don't want to say people ducking you, but people definitely not wanting to give you a fair fair shake or, or, or don't want to show up to their fights or making excuses or whatever it is. I, I mean, I don't want to put words in people's mouths, but that's just kind of the impression I was getting from, uh, you know, some of the interviews and stuff that I saw with other people and things that were said. Mm -hmm. You know, you left no doubt in your last bout. Obviously, right now you're the third-ranked heavyweight. Do you think you deserve that next title shot? You know, I do. I do believe I, I deserve it. And I, I you know, a lot of individuals had actually had a conversation with an individual online yesterday, and they were able to turn his opinion as well because he's like, oh, you only had one fight in the promotion. That doesn't deserve a title fight. And I laugh, and I sit there and go, buddy, like you realize I have over 10 bare knuckle fights, you know, and I've been doing this for six years with the rest of these guys, even Joy Beltran, who's a great fighter. These guys don't have the, the experience I do and haven't been doing it as long. And uh, so absolutely, I, I believe I'm the one. And, and you know, you, you, you get that in every sport where people avoid you, you know, claim other reasons why, you know, the fight wouldn't happen or this or that. And, you know, I, you find in this sport as well, you know, the guys know when you, you're going to fight somebody that can that can beat you or probably is going to beat you you know you find reasons not to show up and then you hope for prayers and gifts and you know sometimes it happens you know and uh you know i it don't matter to me at the end of the day my my production and what i do is is undoubted and i will end up fighting for the strap i will have that strap on my waist and it's just a matter of time have you heard anything from the promotion, uh, you know, I mean, obviously the heavyweight division is probably one of the most, if not the most popular division. It's got to be one of the top two or three most popular. Uh, I would assume that they would want, you know, they would want to press that and push that. So have you heard anything? I, I actually did. I heard from uh, the matchmaker, Nate Shook, uh, yesterday. Looks like I'm going to be uh, pulled from the March card and they're going to be putting me on the April card, which the April card will be the heavyweight champion card. And that's when Joey Beltran is supposed to be fighting Sam Shoemaker. Uh, yeah. If there becomes any type of hiccup, uh, obviously I'll be the guy in fighting, you know, in, in for the title myself. So, but it, it makes sense. And it'll be pretty much like an eliminator, a number one spot eliminator. So yeah. whoever wins my fight, you know, is guaranteed a, a, a world title shot after. Now, bare knuckle boxing. You know, UFC, you know, if you get four or five fights in a year in MMA or, 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 you know, that's quite a few. Do you find that bare knuckle boxing would actually prolong your career? As far as, you know, concussive issues and with brain damage, absolutely. Because this is really more of a superficial sport as far as damage is concerned. You know, mm -hmm. I fought for the world title over in Europe and my nose was ripped off. I had my the left side of my nostril ripped off. That was it. You know, I had a cut. I mean, I looked, it looked bad, yeah. but yeah. I was still fighting, you know, and wanting to fight and, and fought the guy who I consider in the world right now to be the number one heavyweight in the world. His name's Mickey Terrell. And, mm -hmm. you know, 
I trained like a monster. I was ready. Wasn't going to get tired. Like I was in great shape. Just be one of those fights where you show up and you show up a little flat. And my problem with that was I showed up a little flat against the best guy in the world. And he took liberties the first two rounds and ripped my nose off, cut me. And uh, But you can watch that fight and you'll see I just never stopped coming forward. I'm still coming forward. It was just a little flat. So uh, as far as longevity, absolutely. I, I still believe I have three to four years left. You know, Nate Shook jokes with me a lot saying I'm an old man and, uh, you know, you got to take care of the old man, you know, but, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, the reality is it's just like George Foreman and this is boxing with George Foreman, but George Foreman, one of the oldest heavyweight champions of the world. And because of the man, the last thing you lose is strength. And what do you need as, as a heavyweight is strength. Uh, you know, I'm just blessed. I happen to have speed, which nobody realizes the last fight. I wasn't in top physical uh, shape as far as aesthetics. And that was just because the simple thing we, we knew sorrow was coming in uh, from a, lighter division claimed that he walked around but we thought he was only gonna be about 235 we didn't want any issues with the commission so i was it was suggested that i go ahead and drop because i usually walk around 275 and look pretty good and yeah. i got into the the middle i was in good condition but i was yeah. in the funky stage so i was about 264 and i looked a little rounder and softer than i usually would yeah. and uh with the damn pandemic i can't get my pasty ass into no cane bed so i was white as a damn ghost and, yeah. you know <laughs> Yeah. Didn't do me any favors. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That happens. One thing I've always wondered now, especially being a heavyweight, and this is something that goes through my head all the time when I watch fights, because I mean, I watch everything from boxing, MMA, bare knuckle. I'm into it all. And I'm curious from a guy in your standpoint who's been in there with some of the best in the world, right before that bell rings and you step into that ring and, and you're looking across and you know it's either me or him, Right. What what emotions, what feelings do you have? Do you find, are you nervous? Are you scared? Are you excited? Like what goes through? Because I, I just picture myself in there, how I would react, right? Like what are the feelings right before you're about to hear that, that bell? Well, it's actually a mix of feelings and it actually starts in the back room. So the worst feeling is, is being one of the last fights of the night because you have to sit there and you got to watch everybody else warm up, go out, warm up, go out. And you're sitting back there just laying down, chilling, trying to trying to keep your mind at ease. And everything goes through your head. Everything for me, it's everything positive, everything negative. You know, the entire time you're, you're battling back and forth. Your guts are going, you're getting bubble guts. And uh, at the closer it gets to walkout time and they come back, go, okay, Josh, you're on in five, let's go. You know, you get up there, you start walking there and then, you really got for me i get jello legs so my legs kind of get a little loose and you know coleman's usually with me and mark's just like slap it out baby slap it out so you know yeah. you go wrestling slap my legs out wake them up and uh as you walk to the ring you know the closer you get the more the doubt goes away the more doubt goes away and by the time you're getting white you know you're getting greased up your cage side it, it's time you know your, your mind's focused you get up walk up in the ring and as soon as i step inside that ring nothing nothing but destroying who's in front of me and and in my mind i'm just paying attention to what they do to see how quick i can put them to sleep excuse me put them to sleep now you've talked about mark coleman quite a bit obviously mark coleman's coleman's fairly well known um we'll just talk a little bit about that relationship about the gym that you work that you train at um just the supports that you have around you and, and just about your team just talk a little bit about them if you don't mind yeah well just very blessed to have Mark, you know, he's like a big brother to me and uh, he's been in my corner my whole career. And, you know, we're both from Ohio, you know, Ohio State down Columbus. And, you know, that's where we, we first started. Uh, 
became super close, uh, obviously out in Vegas with uh, Kevin Randleman, myself, Wes Sims, uh, Brandon Hinkle. You know, we're a real tight team. Hammer House is a very tight team. And, you know, we're very close. And it's great to have that experience and have the, you know, a legend in your in your corner. And, you know, he, he don't play. You, know, you can hear him. And when I fought, you can hear him. You know, he jumped on me in between rounds because – I had taken about 16 months off, so it was my first fight. I was playing it safe that first round with Sorrow because, you know, they did say he hit hard. And, you know, as soon as I found out that that wasn't really true, then I'd start loosening it up a little bit. But you could hear Coleman in the corner telling me, you know, uh, stop stop effing around and throw your damn hands, you know. And you, as soon as that second round started, you heard him. He's like, let's go, JB. And as soon as he said it, the next thing you see is, you know, I throw – pretty much a six punch combination, triple jab, another little jab and then a hook and then a two. So, you know, having those guys in my corner and guy like Vic, Victor uh, Torres from Victoria's MMA, that's where I go and get my boxing training. Okay. And, you know, he's been in my corner uh, this on and off my whole career, but mm-hmm. with this bare knuckle, he's really been there and, you know, he's just there, right? We had all this COVID crap and this was the guy that opened his gym just for me, you know? So there wasn't, we weren't violating anything, but I could come train and he would work with me and, you know, just great to have that, you know? And uh, it, it's a, it's all about your team. You, you're only mm-hmm. as good as your team is, you know? And I've got a, I've got a huge supporting cast surrounds me and, uh, you know, they all come train with me. Jason Fish, he's part of the BKFC as well. Uh, you know, I got my big boy Dingo, who he should be fighting, but, you know, I don't know if he's going to fight anymore, but he's just, just a six foot eight monster. Yeah, so yeah. I, I'm surrounded by a lot of great fighters and little guys. To be honest, a lot of, you know, people think the heavyweights are, you know, just banging it out every day. Actually, for for the smart heavyweights, they're not banging it out every day. They're, they're working with 190 pound guys that that just pepper the crap out of you and make you get quicker on your feet and teach you how to throw your hands and protect yourself, you know. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so that, that's pretty much my team. And then you obviously my girl, you know, is, is my backbone, you know, puts up with all my BS and uh, is there for me, supports me and, you know, makes my meals and <laughs> makes sure that my, my clothes are done. And you know, she, she works full time, but yet she, she still takes care of me. So that's a, that's a blessing in itself. That's great. Now it's no secret, obviously, you know, you're in your early forties. So, you know, do you find it more difficult to train and the motivation factor, or is that still there for you? I mean, clearly you still have that drive. I see you on social media. I see you fighting and and, it, and it's clearly still there, but what, what motivates you? What gives you that push to do this and to really go at it every day? Well, really to be honest with you is the, you know, it's not the money. It's not the fame. It's, it's, I want to solidify, you know, my legacy. And by doing so, you know, now when we all get a little bit older, a little bit smarter, you know, and I was speaking on earlier about being a heavyweight, you need that power. You know, it's the last thing you leave. And as a, as a heavyweight, that's what you need. And I just believe the intelligence, I think it's all timing. You know, when the timing's come together at the right time, you know, I've got Mark always in my ear chirping every day, you know, hey, clock's ticking, JB, the clock's ticking. Right. And motivation enough, you know, seeing my kids, my kids are getting older and they, they can see what their daddy's doing and, you know, Lord willing, I've, I've, I've been successful and, and continue to be successful and they just see what hard work does. And to be honest with you, I, we're in the time of day and age that we're not old school no more. You know, uh, really, if you're 40, that don't, it don't mean shit. That don't mean you're old. And if you're smart and you know your nutrition, you know your health, you know how to work, work smarter, not harder, and you're, you're efficient, you have talent, you, you can, you can prolong your career for a while. So, and that's basically where I'm at, you know, and it's, it's, it's not hard for me to get up every day, 
I do two days, you know, do my thing and, and find the drive every day. And sorry, sorry to interrupt, Tony, is uh, use a little bit different situation, but look at last month with Mike Tyson at 50 years old, right? Right. E even though I'm saying I know it was still a promo fight and everything else, but the man dropped 100 pounds at that age yep. to still get in the ring and still, even though it's still a promo, still battled it out who's 10 years older than you, right? Absolutely. And, you know, it has a lot to do, you know, I believe it also has to do, you know, with your surrounding cast. And I might have a strength and conditioning coach. I didn't just talk about that. I'm sitting there thinking like he's the reason. Uh, yeah. Darren Clark from F3 Fitness, like that guy is a he's a damn, I call him a mad scientist. And he puts me through stuff, but he doesn't break me. He puts me through stuff that's scientifically sound, that he's done the, the research and the legwork on and kicked the holy hell out of me every day. But I perform better. You know, and I, I do better ever since I've been with him. And he's been with me. Garen Clark's been with me my entire bare knuckle career. And that's like he even went with me to London for my world title fight. So I was in premier shape. It was just that was the mental lapse on my part. But you learn every fight. I've only lost twice. Uh, I know I had a bad uh, separation with BKB. They got upset that I went to BKFC. So, you know, uh, they, they, they took down all my wins, all six wins. And then yeah, and left up the four, left up the four. Yeah, two of them are no contest with you know yeah. they, they obviously put on there that they were losses but then yeah. one was one was a cut but the eyebrow from the fingernail with tony johnson and then the other one was a straight eye gouge and uh we have all the medical term and we're just like you know what we're just gonna move on move forward learn from it be better and we're doing that right now so bkfc we're one and oh and we're, we're planning on getting that strap love it no with bkfc and bare knuckle fighting i know that there are a lot of the match have been taking place in Florida, see, you know, that area. Yeah. I mean, no secret that there's a massive MMA following in Michigan and a, mm. you know, a, a boxing bare knuckle. Is there any chance of them coming up to Michigan and putting on a show or does it have to do with legislation? Is it legal? Like, I'm not even sure about the rules with that, but yeah, I know that yeah, other yeah. people were asking about that. So I just wanted to see if yeah. you had an answer. Well, to be honest, it's, you know, uh, Michigan was always always the stepchild with with MMA and boxing. We were we were one of the prime guys, you know, just like Philly. You know, we're oh, known yeah. for pumping out fighters and MMA. We've always been the stepchild. We've always had we're always latecomers. Now we got a bunch of people in the UFC, but what is that? Fifteen years after it came out, you know. So you know, no one's ever really given Michigan a big shot. And I think that Dave's going to definitely definitely would have, like to have it here. And as we started to get traction and progression, this damn pandemic hit. And when that hit, that changed the, the landscape. Uh, right now, it's changing forever. As of right now, no, nothing is the same. So I know that Dave would absolutely want to have it in Ohio, Michigan, one up here because you got a lot of fans, you got a lot of excitement. So I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't cut that out of, out of the books. I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. Just don't know how quick, you know, with everything trying to get back to what we consider some type of normalcy. That's great. So your next fight's in April, you said, or that's when you're hoping for as of yeah. now? No, it's guaranteed. I, I got a fight in April. Uh, we yeah. don't have an opponent yet. And, okay. uh, you know, so uh, it, <laughs> the way it was explained to me was you're going to fight there. And uh, because it, no matter what happens, when you fight, you get, even if I knock you out in 30 seconds, I get a mandatory 30-day suspension. So if I were to fight in March, I wouldn't be able to fight. I wouldn't be able to step in if someone stepped out of the Beltran fight. Yeah. So okay. essentially putting me on that card just makes makes 100% sense because if something happens, I can step in. And if nothing happens, they continue to fight, then I fight the number one mandatory fight. I'll be the number one, Tory, number one mandatory fight. Then 
I can confront the winner out of them two, and it's on. Do you have anyone in mind? Put you on the spot a little bit, but do you have anyone that you'd like to? Is there anyone that you'd really like to like to face? Uh, well, I, I believe it's Joey Beltron. So I, I think Joey. Uh, I don't think Sam will have the answers, you know. But Sam's always got a puncher's chance. But uh, at the same time, uh, you know, he's not proven that. You know, they 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 like to risk their hats. Uh, you know, on this hitting the pad it's the hardest pad they've ever hit and you know i always joke about it i always joke i go yeah it's kind of like the guys that go to the damn fairground hit the punch machine like oh little 150 pound guy hits harder than me the reality yeah. is we get in a fight i'm gonna kill you so yeah. you know i don't give a shit what no damn pad tells somebody proofs in, the, in your body of work so his body of work is shitty let's just be honest and i love sam he's a great guy i'm not talking yeah. about him as a man i'm talking about his knockout ratio okay he uh you know, Bobo was a friend of mine. He beat Bobo, but let's be honest, Bobo didn't even fight that damn fight. If Bobo mm -hmm. would have stood in front of me the same way he stood in front of Sam, trust me, I would have ripped his head off his head, off the Sam's shoulders within 30 seconds. And I, and Bobo and I both agree on this. Bobo came <laughs> out flat, didn't, didn't tried to fight with his face, and it made no damn sense. So at the end of the day, you know, when you have less than a 40% knockout ratio, I have a 100% finish ratio. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. You understand? 100%. Every fight I fought, not nothing's gone over three minutes, and I've literally knocked out every guy. So my only two losses were my debut. I went over there and uh, fought a, a hell of a fighter in Harry Miles, and uh, I was a little under the weather. But being a fighter, I don't pull out of fights. So I flew, flew 15 hours to get over there. I'm fighting, and I yeah. lost the decision. It is what it is. You learn from it. You move forward. And the only other fight I lost would be with Mickey Terrell, and that's right now I consider him the number one pound for pound heavyweight bare knuckle fighter in the world, and. I'm pretty sure Dave's in the in the works right now getting his big ass over here. And that's a fight that I'd like to get back. So after I get this strap, that's that's somebody I'm gonna be calling out. Awesome. Jay, you got anything else anything else for Josh? Yeah, Josh, and not asking for specifics, but for you and for guys guys and women at your level, is it full time comparable? I know it's not financially like MMA right now, but like UFC, but is it is it a full time job for you and people at the level you're at? It is a full-time job for me, but I, I've been at the highest level for a bit. And even if the paychecks from the fights are only sustainable for, you know, a half a year or something like that, as a fighter, you find outside avenues, which are sponsors. So if you're a true professional athlete, you're, you're, you're finding multiple avenues to live. So I do run a club here in Detroit. That is my residual income that I, that I do outside, but it is full-time. I do. I do two days every day, uh, six days a week, and I do take the one day off. So, but yeah, it's a, it's for other people. Uh, I had people hit me up recently asking me, you know, oh, I'm going to quit my job and I'm coming to fighter. And I go, oh, I'll tell you what, how about we keep your regular job, get something that's, that's advantageous for what you're going to be doing. So it doesn't interfere with your training, your nutrition and things of that nature. And then continue your job, fight. And once you hit that stride where you're like, you know what, I can do something different, then that's when you do it. And the thing is, is with with you guys, you guys can go after any sponsor you want, right? And I'm not that trying to compare to you to the UFC, but when they signed Reebok, it really cut their throat. So for you, if I knock on your door and say I want to sponsor you, you can take any sponsor you want, right? That is correct, absolutely. And I have buddies that live fighting the UFC, and there's a reason why guys are jumping boat from UFC. Mm -hmm. And Bellator right now is the most to be quite honest, is the most profitable organization to fight for and the mate wise because they allow you to keep your sponsors. They pay you just as good as the UFC does, but they don't handcuff you and stick you with a crap ass Reebok 
thing where you, you you fought five times for them and you only get five grand. That's your total sponsorship that you're allowed to bring yeah. into the ring. It's a joke. So, you know, and, and God bless. I love Dana White. You know, I know him. He's a good guy. You know, this is all business for them, but it's not good business for the fighters. So, but that was totally, know, like you say, it was business, right? It was in their pockets, not the fighters, right? Yeah, 100%. I mean, they, you can look that up pretty much anywhere and see the ratio breakdown of how Reebok works. It's, it's disgusting. It's disgusting, 100%. you know. So, you know, these guys get in there. Even if they've only fought once or twice, they're going to get 1500 bucks. That's all you can have. You can't bring anything else in there with you. And there's not a lot of people that are going to sponsor you outside of it unless you're a big name that you can do promotional stuff for. So if you're a no-name guy, you're trying to get your name out there, you're limited. And, you know, what's great with Dave, Dave doesn't do that to you. Hell, Dave just goes, you know what? Do what you want to do. Make sure it's proper. It's not disrespectful, you know, foul language, that kind of thing. Bring it in. Bring it in. And, you know, guys like myself, this, this is – I would say the majority of our income is from our sponsors. And, uh, you know, I'm wearing it now, True American Savage. These guys right here, uh, one of my high school buddies made a, made a brand. It, it's taken off and it's a beautiful thing. And, you know, it allows me to do things like that on camera, off camera, in the fight, and what have you. Now, while, while we're on that topic, do you want to mention all your sponsors, if you can think of them all? Well, I'm just going to talk about <laughs> <laughs> True American yeah. Savage, because I do get hit in the head a lot. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I have uh, Fire Savvy. They've been with me day, since day one. Uh, Fire Savvy's been with me since day one. Darren Clark with F3 Fitness. They've been with me since day one. True American Savage. That's that's my buddy Jason Riley. He used to be a professional fighter as well. Fought in uh, Strike Force and heavyweight, great fighter. And uh, let me think, uh, uh, Latham Latham uh, Law uh, Attorneys. They've always been with me. So. Uh, and that's pretty much all I'm gonna remember. I know I have a bunch more, but right now that's what I can remember. That's so, great. And we'll we'll find out about it and we'll post them down below for everybody after after the, the, the interview so that they can get some recognition also. Right on. Absolutely. Well, Josh, listen, man. I mean, I could talk to you all day. I really appreciate you coming on. I'm gonna give you one last chance. If there's anything else you want to say, if there's anything you want to get off your chest, this is your opportunity. And uh, and then I'll wrap up with you. So go ahead. Anything you anything else you have to say? No, nah, man, I just uh, not really a glory hound, you know, so uh, you guys can find me on all social media platforms, usually under Josh Burns. Uh, but I need to I got a hashtag going right now It's Burns versus Beltran BKFC. Need to get that bad boy trending. Uh, I, the, it's, it's the fight the world wants to see. You know, there's yeah. like I said, there's no disrespect to anybody they're going to put in front of Sam, to, you know, next. But it should be me. I had fights. There's there's reasons why my fight was changed. I had to get sorrow because. Other things weren't working with other fighters, and we yeah. had multiple attempts at it. So, and it sure as hell, I can just say I'm an old school fighter. I, yeah. I, I'm going to show up sick. I'm going to show up healthy. It don't matter. I fight. That's what I do for a living. So, if, you never go into a fight 100, percent and I've always shown up. So, that's why I was given uh, the sorrow fight. Took care of him pretty damn quick. And mm -hmm. now Joey, you know, and Joey knows. Joey and I, we have a pretty decent uh, relationship. We're not best friends, but we have a respectful, you know, uh, rapport. And Joey knows what's up. Joey says it too. So he knows. And the best want to fight the best. I, I didn't get in this sport to, to pad my record, to fight a bunch of, you know, Chris Soros. That's not what I've done. I, I, I go for the best. And, you know, sometimes they're going to throw somebody at you. And, you know, you got to just get rid of them real quick and then just jump for the best. There's no reason why I'd ask for anyone else beside the world, the, the man, the world champion. That is Joey Beltran. It's going to be a hell of a fight. Great. I, 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 I basically market it like this. The Joey Beltran Josh Burns fight is this. It's the it's the Ali Foreman fight. Throw yeah. in Manila, okay? You've got yeah. Ali, he's got this crazy ass conditioning, and you got this crazy ass power horse in Foreman. Okay. 
who's going to win power conditioning power mm-hmm. conditioning and guess what we're in a sprint sport we're not in a 15 round boxing sport where foreman didn't get knocked out foreman punched himself out and fell out of, fell over out of fatigue okay yeah. that's not going to happen to me okay i hit hard from day from from round one to round five to the last second joy beltran has fucking conditioning from from round one to round five no problem whatsoever and joey don't hit like a girl joey hits pretty good but the difference between us i think is pretty pretty uh obvious so it's a great fight you know who's gonna win and if it does go five rounds you know damn well we're both gonna be boogered the hell up but i just i think it's one of those fights that, that i'm able to to walk out victorious and and if i don't I, there's no shame and i'll be going out on my shield and we're both i know i'm gonna break something on joey and I'm pretty sure Joe's going to booger me up pretty good. So it's just a hell of a fight. It's a fight people want to see. They don't want to see someone that's boring who doesn't have, who gets split decision wins and, and has a horrible KO ratio who, who nobody gives a shit about. Okay. You, you want somebody that's going to bring a fight. Now yeah. there's no disrespect to anybody because you never know. They could bring a fight, but I'm not working on, on, on hypotheticals. I'm working on factual shit. So I'm a fact. I'm a power horse factual. Joy Beltran's a fucking workhorse factual. Yeah. There's, yeah. We're the two best in the sport. Mark Godbeer left. Okay, there's nobody else. It, it's yeah. Joey and I. The rest of these guys can get in line, but that's my opinion, and I'm gonna stick to it. Now, when, so sorry, Tony. When it comes to, I know COVID, COVID screwed everything up. But I use right now on an average when when we if we were to go to a fight again, us Canadians can't go and watch it right now. But if right. we were to go watch a fight and be at the actual event, what are the use of this right now? These type of fights average when it comes to fans. As far as how many fans? Yeah. Oh boy. So I know. Uh, sorry, with live streaming now, it's it's huge. But I mean, yeah. in the building, what are you drawing on an average right now, or what Dave does? Well, I'm I'm looking at probably I think it's like between four to six thousand, depending on the venue, because they have limited seating. You know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm I'm telling you, if, if we didn't have the COVID restrictions, those places would be packed. Yeah, they would be packed because I'm pretty sure we're not supposed to have as many people that we have in the building, but for some reason they allow it. So, but, uh, but it, it is a packed house and even, and it's crazy how loud and how involved these, these fans are, you know, it's not like the MMA fans or, or just the boxing fans, just, it's a combination of them all. And the, the, the difference between this sport and MMA, MMA is great. And you got a lot of stuff going to honorable sport, boxing, same thing. But when you're at a bare knuckle fight, when I crack somebody in the face and you hear that bone crack, like ah, it just the whole crowd just like ah. When you hear the oohs and ahs, they're real because it's it's a disgusting, amazing sound because it's bone cracking bone, and it's the entire fight. So whether it lasts a minute or last ten minutes, you're 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 hearing it, you're seeing it, and and it's a beautiful thing. And uh, the fans are they're they're the real winners in this. The fans are the real winners. They, I, I'm as a fighter, I fought in Bellator at eight times and. and Never did I go out and watch the fights. It is, it is what it is. Hell, half the time I don't even turn on UFC unless it's guys I know. Yeah. And when I was at the bare knuckle uh, fight back in Biloxi, I came out because I wanted to see it. You could hear the cracks in the background. I'm in the back room, and I'm going out there to see, like, God, who just got hit? You know, you're running out there like a little kid trying to see who, who's getting their ass whooped. And it's just, it's just a whole different vibe. And I think that's what's taking traction right now. I think that's what's taking over the world. And it – it, you watch by year's end, we're going to be another whole level ahead of where we're at now. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Last I'll go ahead, I'll go ahead, Tony, and I'll ask my last question. You've got, got to get to the gym here yep, soon. Yep. So, last question for you, uh, from, from me. So, 
obviously Paige Van Zant, very well known, popular uh, fighter in the UFC. Her coming over to bare knuckle boxing and guys like Chris Lieben and Gabriel Gonzalez and these bigger name people. What's your take on that? Are you okay with them coming over because it kind of brings more fans and bring aware, brings more awareness? Or would you like to see them have to work their way up a little bit better? No, well, hell no. There's nothing to work for. What they, yeah. None of them got a title fight. They all had to get in there and fight. Now, if they come in there having a, 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 an amazing performance, they get pushed up the ladder because, Jesus, they, they've already had a great resume and another tough sport. But, you know, just like Paige found out, Paige is a tough son of a gun. I, I'm going to tell you right now, I didn't think – I thought Britain didn't have a chance in the world. That's my opinion. And I, and I have friends that train ATT. They were like, yo, watch. Paige is going to kill this girl. Paige got in there. It's a whole different world. We, we fight with no gloves, and Paige was the first one. To go, oh, it's just di- not much different from gloves. You know, we have four arms. Bullshit. You found that out real quick because she became very hesitant. She made very hesitant yeah. and she didn't get comfortable until maybe round three, four. And then she was able to turn it on five. But by that time, Britt had pieced your ass up the entire fight. And trust me, I was pulling for Paige. I thought Paige was going to win. My, my my girl loves Paige. And I, like that's who, and I'm sitting there looking at her and looking at my girl going, she's losing this fight. Like, like yeah. Britt's winning this fight. So, and then Gonzaga and those guys, hey, they, great. We want yeah. you come because yeah. if you've got what it takes, bring it and bring your fans with you. That's what we want. Uh, and if you if you don't have what it takes, you're gonna find out real quick. You know, just like Absolutely. Antonio Silva, Bigfoot or whatever. You know, that yeah. guy realized he didn't. He was he wasn't about it. Now he's a big puncher in the UFC, right? Yeah. And Gabriel, yeah. everyone he had that head kick, but Gabriel's not really known for being a big puncher. Well, guess what? Gabriel done beat that ass and yeah. and and res- respected himself and dropped that boy. So yeah. the, the the pretenders are gonna be found out, and the real tr- warriors are gonna be are, are gonna be come out and be shown. So it's a beautiful thing. I welcome everyone. Please come. And I want the challenge because when I get done getting the strap, I'm going to want some real, some real challenge. We've got some pretty damn good heavyweights right now that are not proven, you know, and uh, the biggest thing for me is, you know, before my last fight, the guy looked great in all his other fights. But the problem was you look at it and go, okay, great. You could punch somebody. What happens when you get punched? What happens when you get punched? And I could be, you know, we don't know. I'm, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a fortune teller, but that was our big thing. And that was my big thing. As I said, I've been doing this six years and, you know, you get people, there's some people in the heavyweight division won't name names. They're like, oh, you're a gatekeeper. You got a 500 record. I'm like, well, if you want to go off of uh, what the Europeans trying to get, get by and, and you can obviously tell because you can't find any of all six of my wins have been taken down, but they don't want to leave up the controversy. So yeah. there's, there's some truth there. So you keep believing what you believe. But I'm telling you right now, none of these heavyweights been hit by a real heavyweight that fights the way I do. And Sorrow, unfortunately, was the first one to find out. He got a little bit goofy before the fight. He put a little more emphasis on the reason why I wanted to hurt him a little more. But uh, he found out real quick. There ain't no gatekeeper here, bro. I'm going to tell you right now, you get in there with me, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that ass whooping on you. And if you, God bless you, if you can keep it and keep fighting, you're the man. But I have yet to find anybody that I can put these hands on where I'm feeling great, that can withstand it. Only two guys, Harry Miles, my very first fight, and then uh, Mickey Terrell, you know, and, and like I said, those were learning experiences for me, but you're not going to get an easy fight with me. Yeah. So, Josh, just to close it out, I know you have to go train. What would it be like to have you and Joey fight at Little Caesars Arena in Michigan, if you could do it? How would that be in your hometown? Uh, how would it be? <laughs> It'd be pretty, pretty damn amazing. I mean, uh, 
you know Joey's got fans across the world, so I know he's got fans here in Michigan. And uh, obviously, this is my home, so I got a shit ton of fans here. It, it would be a wild, wild event because you know we don't have to disrespect one another to know there's going to be a fight. So Joey, or Joey and I are going to go out and beat the dog shit out of each other. And I think I'm going to win. Joey thinks he's going to win. And we both have our reasons, our little secrets in our camps of what we'll do. And uh, it would be a wild, a pretty amazing event. And I'm pretty damn sure if this damn COVID stuff go away, uh, it'd be a sellout. It would be a beautiful thing. Well, Josh, I'm, I got to tell you, man, when I reached out to you, I wasn't sure if I'd, if I'd hear back. And, I, you know, it just speaks to you as a person, your character, um, everything you've said has been straight up. And I can't tell you how much we appreciate you taking the time to do this and talk to us. Uh, it means a lot. You, you, I'm telling you, you're going to gain a whole whack load of fans up here in, in Canada now. And, you know, and this is just going to take BKFC to the next level and take your career to the next level. And we just can't wait to uh, to see what you have to offer. And, man, I'm telling you, when you get that strap, I might send you another message and see if you can come on and show it off to us because uh, right you, uh, you, know, you you definitely deserve it. And, uh, and again, can't thank you enough, man. And we, you got a lot of support up here in Canada. So best of luck, and we really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Absolutely, guys. I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity, and uh, I love my I love my family to the north. So, yeah. any, any more any more yeah. fans from up there? God bless you guys. I can't play hockey the <laughs> can't play hockey to save my life, but I'd do the damn track. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Thank you so much, Josh. You take care. Right on, guys. All right, guys. Have a good. One. Take care.